0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Thank you so much for joining the broadcast today. And we are really, really close to Christmas, and I love this Christmas season. I love all that it represents. And so today, I want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of the wise men. And uh, this is a message that I preached many years ago. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was in December 25th in 2016, and as we were going through the end of 2016, going into 2017, I had an acrostic for the name of our church, Hickory Ridge Community Church, HRCC, and for that year, we focused on healing relationships through compassionate change. Healing relationships through compassionate change. Now listen, if your life is going to change, it's because you have good relationships this healing that is taking place, you're filled with compassion. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Matthew chapter 2 tells us, he was born in Bethlehem in Judea. The Bible tells us that it was during the reign of King Herod. Now King Herod was not a believer. Matter of fact, King Herod despised Christ, despised the Christ child, wanted to have him eradicated. As a matter of fact, he ordered all babies, two years old and younger, at the birth of Jesus. To be killed. You remember the wise men came and they were searching Jerusalem. So they go to Herod and they says, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. That's interesting. As you think about that star, that star was revealed to these wise men. They saw it rise and they saw that star as it rose and then it stayed. Why didn't King Herod see that star? King Herod didn't see that star because he wasn't looking for it, and it wasn't revealed to him. King Herod, when he learns about this king being born, was deeply disturbed, and so was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called the meeting of all the leaders and the priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, O you, O Bethlehem, In the land of Judah, you are the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It was ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country, but they went another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Well, let's learn some things from the wise men. Here are some lessons that we can learn about the Christmas story as we look at this story through the lens and through the eyes of the wise men. I think the first thing that we can gather is that God rewards those who sincerely look for Him. You see, God makes every effort to reach every person who is far from Him. God uses this star to reach a pagan Gentile, these astrologers or these magicians. God uses a star to bring them to Christ. You see, insincere searchers are the equivalent of a bank robber trying to find a police officer. Now, they know police are out there somewhere, but they hope they don't find them. You see, no playing games with God. When you really want to find Him— You will, because he's not hiding from us. We're hiding from him. You know, there are a lot of symbols of the Christmas season, and all of these symbols represent something. You've got Santa Claus, you've got the mistletoe, you have wreaths, you've got candles. You know, I've always admired the beauty of poinsettias, and so I decided to do a little research on them you know that they were named after Joel Poinsett, who happened to be a minister in Mexico. He was actually a native of South Carolina who became a missionary and a minister in Mexico. He introduced this plant to America in 1825. In Mexico, the poinsettia is called the Christmas Eve flower. It is truly the best Christmas plant. When you see them appear in the stores, you know that Christmas is not far away. Traditionally, the star-shaped leaf pattern is said to symbolize the Star of Bethlehem, and the red color represents the blood sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Just as this beautiful plant draws our attention to Christmas, the Star over Bethlehem drew the attention of the learned magi, the wise men. We discovered that a newborn king of the Jews was born. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it actually predicts this coming. It says, you're going to find this newborn king, the king of the Jews. You see, nothing was going to keep these wise men from finding baby Jesus. Jeremiah also says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search with me with all of your heart. You see, that's the key right there. Searching with all of your heart. In John 6, 44, it says, and Jesus actually declares this. He says, "No one will come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day." Now, that Greek word translated "draw" means to drag, literally or figuratively to drag something. Clearly, this this is a one-sided affair. God does the drawing to salvation. We who are drawn have more of a passive role in the process. But there is no doubt that as we respond to this drawing, we make a decision. Are we going to respond to this drawing, and are we going to search diligently to find a Savior? You say, well, how do I go about this? How can I really know who God is? How can I have a relationship with Him? Well, I think, first of all, you got to read the Word. Peter says God is patient because He wants everyone to turn from their sin and know one to be lost. So when we read the Word, we quickly discover God wants nobody to be lost. He does everything in His power to bring us into reconciliation. So we got to get into the Word, and that's what these astrologers did. They searched the Scriptures, and they understood the meaning of the star, and so they followed that star. There's something else you got to do if you want to have this relationship with the Lord. If you really want to be a sincere searcher of the things of God, not only have to read the Bible, but you've got to ask the right questions. In Luke 11, Jesus says, anyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, that door will be open. Anyone who asks will receive. So you've got to ask the right questions. Ask the Lord, why in the world am I here on this earth? I want to know my meaning, my purpose, my reason for my existence. Ask the right questions. Seek and you will find, and the door will be open to you. So read the word ask the right questions, and then go wherever truth leads you. That's exactly what the wise men did. They searched the scriptures and they had their questions that they asked and they found the truth through a star. And so they went where that truth led them. In John eight thirty two it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Being painfully truthful and you will be set free. Free, Isaiah put it this way: Seek the Lord, while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Listen when God is speaking, that's the time to move. In Genesis chapter six, verse number three, the Lord says, "My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal and their days will be a hundred and twenty years." What is God trying to tell us? God is saying when I speak to you, better respond because I will not always speak to you. You're just immortal. One day your day is going to be over. So God speaks to us throughout the course of our lives. And if we die without responding to that voice of the Lord, then we'll be eternally separated from Him. These wise men, they searched diligently because they understood that God rewards those who sincerely search for Him. I want you to know, even that desire... Even that ability to search for him is a gift that he gives to us. There's something else you've got to know about the eyes of the wise men. When we find the truth, we will worship. We need to worship Christ. The wise men worshiped and they offered valuable gifts. Here's my question to you today. What do you offer God? It says that the wise men entered into the house. They saw the child. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasure chest, and they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, there's something about worship. Our worship as we give a gift to the Lord reminds us that God sees our shortcomings. You know, all of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even when we offer a gift unto God, he sees our shortcomings. But our worship also reminds us that God has sent us a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We also learn that as we worship God, that God sets before us salvation. You know, the Bible is so clear that God has a purpose for our lives, and he so wants us to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You know, salvation is the best gift, the most important gift that you will ever receive in your life. You know, when this happens, when we meet Christ, when we search for Him diligently, our lives take on a whole new direction. We need to continue on in this new direction as the Spirit leads us. You know, the wise men... They obeyed God's direction by not returning to Herod. The journey to Christ and their reward of faith had taught them to remain open to God's leading. It says they returned to their own country by another route. Listen, when your life takes on a new relationship with Christ, you have a whole new direction. That means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That old life, it's gone, it's dead, it's done away with, but a new life has begun. All made possible because Christ brings us back to life. The glorious power of God the Father, made possible through the Son, is that we're brought back to life. You know, I think throughout life, there's been times where I've gone down the wrong way, and I've had some major regrets for going down the wrong path. But I'm so glad that God is patient with me and he's very forgiving. Here there's a story of the wrong Regals. It's a familiar one, but it, it bears repeating. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech was playing UCLA in the Rose Bowl game. In that game, a young man by the name of Roy Regals receives a fumble from UCLA. He picks up that loose ball and he lost his direction. So he ran 65 yards toward the wrong goal line. One of his teammates, a guy by the name of Benny Lum, ran him down and tackled him just before he scored that touchdown for the opposing team. Several plays later, the Bruins had to punt. Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety, demoralizing the UCLA team. The strange play came in the first half. At halftime, the UCLA players filed off the field into the dressing room. As the others sat down on the benches of the floor, Regals put a blanket around his shoulders and he sat down in the corner and put his face into his hands. A football coach usually has a great deal to say to his team during that halftime. That day, Coach Price was silent. No doubt he was trying to decide what to do with Regals. When the timekeeper came in and announced that there were three minutes before playtime, Coach Price looked at the team and said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second half. The players got up and started out, all but Regals. He didn't budge. The coach looked back and called them. Regals didn't move. Coach Price went over where Regals sat and he says, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second. Roy Regals looked up. His cheeks were wet with tears. Coach, he said, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined the university's reputation. I've ruined myself. I can't face that crowd out there. Coach Price reached out, put his hand on Regal's shoulders and said, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. Regal's finally did get up and he went onto the field. And the fans saw him play hard and play well. All of us have a run and a long way in the wrong direction. But God is merciful. Remember, your game's not over yet. It's just beginning. God's got big plans for you. Trust God's word for your life. Don't look at the mess that you've made of things. Realize that God's going to use you in a powerful way. He's got big plans for you. Don't get discouraged. Don't be defeated. God's going to work things out in His way and in His time. You know, the wise men went back home a different way because they had a different message. They had a different purpose in their lives. They were going to follow through the rest of their lives, telling everybody about what the Messiah had done for you. You know, during this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to think about the light that God has given you. God has given us this light, and sometimes it seems like our light is not shining as brightly as we wish it could be shining. There is a miracle that is involved in sharing that light. You know, the Niagara Falls was the first falls to be lit up electronically way back in 1879. Using lights to illuminate the falls was the equivalent to 32,000 candles. Today, the lights at the falls are the equivalent to 250 million candles, an increase matched only by those who are in a nearby falls called Clifton Hill. When we think about the light, the darker the times are, the brighter our lights will shine. You may have had some setbacks in this year. You may have gone down some paths that you didn't think you'd go down. You may be overwhelmed with grief because you've lost somebody this past year. I want you to know that God still expects your light to shine. You know, the world's longest lasting light bulb is called the Centennial Light. It's a light that's in California. It has reportedly been burning since 1901 with very few interruptions just because of power failures. But this light has been burning for 121 years. Unbelievable when you think about it. We are told to let our light so shine before men so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So let that light shine. Or you may have occasions where that light may not be shining as brightly as you wish it would, but I want you to know that if we keep letting that light shine, God will bring about victory in our lives. You know, when light passes through different substances, It slows down and it bends. That's called infraction. You know, this is how the lens can focus beams into a single point and fry an ant. You've probably done this with a, a magnifying glass. You take that magnifying glass with the sun and then you tilt it just right and you can burn a hole into a leaf. You know, that's what we're to do with our lives. We have this light and if we will follow through with precision, God will allow that light to be a blessing to everyone. I think about the sun. You know, without the sun, we would be gone. If the sun were suddenly snuffed out, nobody on earth, however, would even notice it until eight minutes and 17 seconds later. That's how long it takes for the for the sun, the rays of that sun to leave that planet, the sun, and make it to the earth. But don't worry. I want you to know that the sun has a lot of energy, a lot of fuel left to it. And whether or not you agree with this projection or not, some say the sun has enough energy to last another 5 billion years. That's how much fuel is left in the sun. Well, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I want you to know that we are the light of the world. Our light will not be snuffed until it has finished the purpose that God has for us. When I think about this wonderful Christmas season and how we have holiday lights, you know, the person who sparked this tradition of holiday lights is believed to be none other than Martin Luther, that 16th century Protestant reformer and priest. It is said that he became so entranced by stars shining through an evergreen forest that he bought a tree, brought it into his home, and he tied candles onto its branches for his family to enjoy. Thomas Edison invented strands of lights in the 1880s but these weren't really used for decorating until 1882. It was Edward Johnson, the vice president of the Edison Company, who decided by hanging these hand-wired lights together and rotating them around the Christmas tree, it would provide this enchantment for those who passed by. One reporter from the Detroit Tribune described this spectacle as a continuous twinkling of dancing colors. Red, white, blue, red, white, blue all evening. You know, you think about light and how light penetrates the darkness. I can't think of anything more appropriate as we celebrate Christmas than celebrating the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. It was President Grover Cleveland who used lights on the White House Christmas tree in 1895, and they became a national sensation. Everyone wanted their own holiday lights, but often they couldn't afford to buy them. You know, you think about lighting a single tree. Back then, it would cost about $300 just to light a single tree. Well, today, uh, I went to Home Depot, and uh, I found enough lights to light my four Christmas trees, and it was under $100. bucks. is not it amazing what has happened with light through the centuries? As you think about being the light of the world, God has given us this unbelievable opportunity to let the beauty of Christ shine into darkness. No matter how beautiful your display of lights may be, Americans' holiday light obsession is costly. And I want you to know that the light that we shine as Christians is costly. Oh, it didn't cost us anything, but it cost Jesus Christ his very life. What do you think about the cost of lighting all the Christmas trees throughout uh, the month of December? Uh, They have discovered that in the United States, that we will use an average of 6.63 billion kilowatt hours of electricity just during the month of December, lighting Christmas lights. Now, to put that in perspective, this is more electricity than El Salvador will use in 10 years. Unbelievable. So what do you think about the light that we have been given? People are walking in darkness, but we have this great light. Isaiah the prophet said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in a land in deep darkness, a light has dawned. Why are people walking in darkness? Because they have rejected God's word. You see, whenever a culture rejects God's word, things get dark. I think about that 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental years. It's called the years of darkness. Isaiah talked about those years of darkness. The people were going to walk in deep darkness because they had rejected Christ. The people needed a miracle. God was going to send them a miracle. And that was the light of the world. Albert Einstein said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is if nothing is a miracle. The other is if everything is a miracle. Jesus said this about light. Your eye is a lamp, lighting up your whole body. If you live in a wide-eyed, wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed, in greed and distrust, your body is a dark cellar. Keep your eyes open, your lamp burning, so that you don't get musty and murky. Keep your life as a well lighted candle, and you will be the best light for all of mankind. That is the message translation of Luke chapter 11, verses 33 to 35. Now, if I were to ask you if you've ever experienced a miracle, I'm guessing that depending upon your definition of what a miracle is, you might say no, but I beg to differ. By the end of this broadcast, You know, you will have inhaled and exhaled approximately 250 times because most of you don't give breathing a second thought. I want to help you consider the journey of the oxygen atom. So join us tomorrow in the broadcast, and I'm going to tell you all about what happens when oxygen goes through our lungs and what happens as it passes through our nose and down uh, out into our body and then back out. So join us tomorrow as we recall the miracle of life. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope that you are going to have a wonderful Christmas season. I want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. And please give me a call if I can help you with anything. If you'd like the devotional that I offered at the beginning of the broadcast, the devotional book Believe, 365 daily devotionals that I know will help you to begin the new year really strong. So just give me a call either at the church or on my cell phone. Uh, The church number is 757-757. 421 7500, or my cell phone is 252 267 2365. Leave me a text, leave me a voicemail, and I'll get back to you. All I need is your name and your address, and I'll send you that wonderful devotional book so that you can begin 2022 believing big things in your life as to how God can use you. Well, let me give you that number one more time Uh, at 252-267-2365. That's my cell phone number or the church number, 757-421-7500. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.